Welcome back, listeners and lovers of stories. This is Andrew Bray with your podcast host, Barbara Bray, my mother. Hello, hello. Hello, Andrew. I just love that intro. That was really cool. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I'm always excited to get people listening and excited about this passion that you've discovered in yourself, the passion for the stories of other people and amazing humans out there and getting their stories shared. I can't even believe sometimes that one, they come to me. (laughs) Some people, I had no idea they would open like they do and tell me these stories. The other is we've become really good friends. It's just, it's just lucky. I'm a part of this community and people are willing to share. Well, it's not just that you get get an interest in people. It's that you've really you, you're such an astute listener. You get us listening. Um, with, and with that in mind, enough, <laughs> enough of that high horse for us. Um, but why don't you tell us a little bit about this next conversation that we get to listen to? Oh, this is a friend I've had for a long time, Chris Quinn. He's in Ontario, Canada, and I've known him on Twitter for a long, long time, and he's had many adventures, and I've followed him through. One was being a principal for a long time, and then he retired, and then he went back to teach kindergarten, and then, oh my gosh, and then he retired again, and now he's a runner, but I want him to tell you story, the story, because the way and the things that he's doing... I'm just I'm just in awe of Chris because he he's even starting a podcast and he's got, I mean the things he's doing when people say well I'm not sure what I'm going to do when I retire I said just check out Chris <laughs> he's doing it <laughs> he's amazing and uh, we're really good friends and I I'm just grateful that he wanted to be on my show stick around everybody for this conversation with Barbara Bray and her friend Chris Quinn. Hi, everyone. Barbara Bray here. I have someone I've known, I I think, a very long time. I think you're right, Barbara. (laughs) I've been wanting Chris Quinn on my show forever. We kept putting it off. We've done other things. And I just adore you. I'm so glad you're here, Chris. The feeling is definitely mutual, Barbara. Oh, I... I can't even remember the last we, we we even did a holiday show. We did a we've done so many different things. Something on hope. And I did. Yeah. And and this was even before I retired. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you never retire. We're gonna talk about that too. <laughs> True enough. So let me tell my audience about you because um I want to make sure they know why I just adore you. Chris Quinn is an educational leader who just retired, was it last year? Or the no, this year? is actually my third year, Barbara, interestingly enough. Oh, no. Yeah, believe it or not. You're kidding. <laughs> well, you're not stopping, that's why. Now it's been 30-some <laughs> years in education, right? Yes, that's true. Well, you served as a district coordinator, a classroom teacher, and you were in the London District Catholic School Board in Canada. Now, that's in Ontario? Correct. 
Okay, yeah. I got to. I got to. Sometimes I have a lot of friends in Canada now, and <laughs> you got the right province. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Well, you you retired, then you went back and you st- taught kindergarten for three so years. Just before I retired, I taught kindergarten. I did go back after I retired and did a little bit of a stint uh, for about a month, month and a half in kindergarten again. But yeah, I finished my my last three years are in a kindergarten classroom. Oh, that's pretty special. I, it was. I think. I mean, that, and we'll talk about that. Sure. You also do so many things online. You showcase educators and profiles in ed, and I was one of them. I felt so lucky, but there were so many. You told me to do it on one page. I think I went over. (laughs) That was okay. I just gave people sort of a a bit of a guideline, but no problem with going over. (laughs) What was education leadership? Which I, yes. I I didn't say that it was on Twitter. You also had it on your web page, mm-hmm. and then you do so many sharing resources and inspirational messages on Twitter. You have okay. I'm going to try to say them all. Sure. You have the question of the week, which is hashtag Q of the week. You mm-hmm. have Wednesday wellness or Wednesday wisdom, which is today, but this will come Correct. out a little later. But that's hashtag WWED. You have another one, <laughs> Friday Follow Party, which is hashtag FFP. And you also have another Twitter handle called GratefulEDU64. Did you stay, start any others I, I missed? Well, FFP, interestingly enough, Barbara, I, I sometimes use that for um, Friday fiction or it can be nonfiction. So people will share, and I used FFP for a variety of purposes, and it's ah. not just the follow party, but following. I'm trying to encourage, among other things, people to follow other educators, amazing people out there, some yeah. of whom, um, you know, just need a little bit of a, we need to raise them up, right? That's part of our role. So. Well, yeah, that's the, that's what you do. That's why you have this grateful EDU. You, you, you do all these messages because they share gratitude. Now, are you still hosting the podcast Kinder Lights? Yeah, thanks for asking. So we, uh, what I did was I worked through that for the first year. Uh, that ran for a year. And um, I've got all of that archived. I had the opportunity to talk with some incredible early learning educators from around the world, to be honest, different parts of the world, some in Asia. I had one in Africa, um, South America, North America, and both the U.S. and Canada, um, in uh, England as well. And it was a phenomenal experience. It was an incredible learning experience for me. Um, I had an opportunity to learn so much about A, podcasting, but B, incredible people that are doing amazing things. And some very simple things, but really doing things that are transforming lives of young people as well as colleagues too. So it was truly inspiring. And so that for me has led into something new, which we'll talk about uh, in, a, in a while, I assume. Um in terms of continuation of podcasting work, but it was yeah. phenomenal. And I don't, I don't want to say that it's kind of reached its end, but I think at this point, what I'm doing is I'm, con- I'm still consulting with people who are in early learning and talking more about what direction might we head in next in terms of the podcast and how might my experience with um, Kinder Lights influence what comes next in podcasting. Well, we're going to put a link to the Kinder Lights so people can listen to some of them. Sure. And we're going to talk about the 
the future, what you're planning in a little bit. Okay. Because there's so much about you that people don't know. And I just want them to know how um, rich your life is. Rich. I, I, I mean, People are thinking, I'm going to retire and then I can do all those things. Just, you know, go travel, sit around or whatever. And you should all sit around. So we're going to talk about all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's people like you, Barbara, who enrich my life and certainly draw out of me. um, I think as I I got into retirement and I started, um, I really leaned on friends who really gave me ideas for what could happen next? How will this evolve? How will my work evolve and continue? And what will it look like? And people like you have been tremendous influences on not only my direction during my career as an educator in schools and in in the district, but also in retirement. Um, You know, and what does retirement mean? And I know we're going to talk more about that. So we will talk about it. And boy, this mutual, you know, (laughs) caring for each other is so nice. Uh, I, I really love just like this conversation because we've done this a lot. We've talked about things and, but your why, your why Mm. is so deep. And I just want you to share that with everybody. Sure. I, I know you and I have talked a little, little bit about this, but I was saying to you, Barbara, earlier that my why is still um, students, young people, um, children, young adults, those I had the great fortune, great opportunity to be able to work with throughout my career. Um, but now in my new role, you know, in mm-hmm. having stepped back from the district and stepped back from classrooms, um, it, it's the whole idea of servant leadership and still that connection to young people, to, to children. So what I try and do, as you've very kindly shared, um, is to support those who work directly um, with students in schools and in districts. And so I have a big focus in my work now on servant leadership and what that can mean and what that can look like. And one of the things I tweeted about this, I've done this before, but I I um, tweeted about even more recently was I put together a slide that talked about um, what it means to be a servant leader. And um, what I appreciated throughout my career in people, and I gleaned this um, in, in just observing and listening and engaging with people who were truly servant leaders, people who were honest and kind and spoke the truth. Um, and, and in particular, too, people who were accessible and present, present to others. Um, they didn't sit in an office all day long, but they were out and about and they were interacting and engaging with people and listening And the whole idea of collaborative leadership, being willing to share the role of leader with other people. And I also think a great servant leader is somebody who's able to question, um, to to basically get people to think more deeply and and to really promote reflection. Um, and And it took me a long time to learn about that. I mean, in my early part of my career, I didn't do much of that. I didn't ask a lot of questions and I didn't do a lot of the deeper kind of thinking that... Um, I think is essential as educators, taking time to step back and think about what we're doing. So as a leader, promoting that I think is critically important. And then you already mentioned, my my real interest and concern and passion is about gratitude, being grateful for what we have and appreciating others. And I see that in servant leaders and I hear that in servant leaders. Um, 
providing meaningful feedback, I think, is also essential. And, um, and just making servant leadership a priority. And I know that's hard. I mean, that can be a real challenge in, uh, in the busy pace of life, both personally and professionally. Sometimes the need to be a servant of others and to serve and support, um, I wouldn't say can be forgotten, but it can get sort of mixed up and to some extent maybe lost in the busyness of our days. So that's, when, talk about, when I talk about my why, that's kind of where it's at. Wow. You described it. You could write a book about this. You know that. <laughs> you have some stories and, and some of the people you've um, talked with. And uh, I know that I started my podcast to find out about people and the deep stories, the ones that are in their heart. And I feel like if I can do that and get people to really talk about something that means, you know, shows them that they have their purpose and they're living their purpose. Um, and it's that's how I started mine. And what's interesting is that I didn't know I started as that. You see, I I thought, oh, it'll be fun just to get some stories and whatever. And then people were telling me things and I had no idea how deep these stories were. So that's what it led to my first book, Define Your Why. And that's why, I, I mean, that is my third book, but it's the one that is about the why. And I look at you and I, you've always been like this, but I... I kind of want to go back, way back, because <laughs> I there's something in you that's deeper. And what was it like growing up? And was there anyone who influenced you when you were growing up, and maybe as a student or something? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I grew up here in Ontario. Um, in fact, spent I've spent my entire life in in this province, in different parts of the province. Though, when I was young. Um, my father uh, worked probably three different jobs when I was very young, and we started in the in the most southerly part of Ontario in Windsor, just near the border with Detroit. And uh, I was born there, and we were there for a relatively short time, and then moved just a little bit north of that um, to a city called Chatham, and and that's where my early years kind of began in school. Uh, I had a small, I would say a small network of friends. I was fairly quiet as a, as a young student, a young boy. I was from a family of four boys. And we, probably not unlike many others, I, we came from very little money. Um, things were challenging. Never suffered for food. We always had food on the table. Um, but it, was, it wasn't an easy, easy early life. But the thing I always knew was that I was loved. Uh, my my parents, um, my brothers, our extended family. I always had that sense. I was definitely, as a student, a teacher pleaser. Um, I was a pretty <laughs> strong academic, um, in, you know, as a, as a student, in fact, all the way through. I would say there were a couple people in particular that were strong influences, especially in my earliest years. One was, um, one was a principal who became a dear friend of myself and our family um, as I was uh, in my probably, I'm not sure how the structure works in the U.S., but when I was in around grade six, seven, eight, went through a very difficult period of time as a family. My uh, my 
third in line. I'm the oldest. And then I've got another brother, Pat. Rob was third. And then Brad. Rob um, died uh, when I was about oh. 13 years old. Oh, uh, he had leukemia. And uh, I remember that, that was a very difficult period for the whole family. But one of the things I distinctly remember during that time was that this principal, um, who always, for whatever reason, kind of was looking out for me. He was such a kind person. And when we were, when I was going through that turmoil and that difficult time, he was there for me and he was there mm-hmm. for my family. He would just mm-hmm. be available. He, he came to see us, um, would always check on us. And that made a huge difference in my life. And in mm-hmm. fact, I talked about servant leadership early. He was a true model of servant leader. And one that I, I suppose now in, in reflecting, that I aspired to be more like. And, and probably in some respects drew me into the world of education as an educator, just because of what, what I saw in him and what he did. Mm-hmm. He was a tremendous influence in my early life. Uh, my parents, of course, too, uh, wonderful, wonderful people, um, have always done, in my opinion, the, the best possible things for me in terms of giving me opportunities, uh, even with limited funds, uh, opportunities to be able to pursue interests and passions. Mm-hmm. And um, to this day, they're now in their 80s. Uh, um, they're still very supportive of all of us, including the um, their own children and and some now uh, soon perhaps to be, well, grandchildren as well. They've been, they've been great to our own children, my own two girls. Mm. So, so that was early life. And then high school years, again, we moved. So just before high school started for me, uh, my father then moved to work for a different company and, uh, we ended up moving. So it was an interesting time to start again. It was a difficult time because going into grade nine and going into high school and I knew no one. So it was a it was a big big change in my life. I'd been used to that because we'd moved a fair bit when I was younger, um, but that made for some difficult times for me. I found that adjustment to be really mm-hmm. tough uh, in in high school, but um, made some friends and worked through those years, and then got into um, post secondary. And I was here in London, Ontario, which is where I live right now, and I went to uh, Western University. And uh, great experience. Met my wife there. Um, and uh, my wife is actually soon to retire as well. She's a nurse and has been for 32 years now. Um, and anyway, we uh, we settled in London. She has family here. And my two beautiful girls who are now in their late, well, mid to late 20s, um, my oldest is, uh, she completed her master's in architecture about three, three and a half years ago now. But she has, um, yeah, about three and a half years ago. And shortly after she finished her master's, she ended up joining uh, a religious community here in Ontario, <laughs> in Ottawa, in our nation's capital. And um, so it's pursuing religious life. And and I'm very proud of her. This is not an easy time to be entering a uh, religious community. Um, but she is, she does so many things that I'm, I, I'm just thrilled for her. And one of the beauties of her background in terms of architecture is they're building a brand new uh, building and she was heavily involved in the design of that. Um, oh, so that's cool. it's very exciting. And and my youngest daughter is in downtown Toronto. She lives in downtown Toronto and she manages, um, 
she's actually moved to a company where um, she's at the corporate level with the company and works with um, the they look after event planning. So it's an event planning, but on a major scale with large companies. So she wow. helps to, to manage that. So proud of both of my girls. Um, my wife and I see them less frequently now, but we still have opportunities to see them both. And um, mm. life is good. You know, I, I've been afforded so many opportunities. And then through my career, uh, you mentioned at the beginning that I had the chance not only to work as a classroom teacher, but a district leader. And that afforded me opportunities to work with some incredible people in the classroom, outside of the classroom, at the Ministry of Education level, and um, gain some great experience and, and wonderful friends through that process too. Wow. You put a I mean, I know I know the story because you've told me several times about yeah. you know your daughters. I mean, knowing your about your daughter, the one who's a, in the religious community now. And, you know, that is big what she did, but she also, is she the one that's also an artist? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's a tremendous artist. We have um, many of her pieces here, both drawings, uh, some painting mm. she's done um, as well as design and construction because of her architecture background. So she carried wow. that artistry into her work in architecture and was actually in her, um, in her program when she was going through uh, to become an architect, she purposely chose and she did, she went off the beaten path in terms of her co-op experiences. And one of the places she chose to go was Uganda in Africa. And she was there for about six months, I think was her work term there. Hmm. And there um, she got to meet some amazing people, but was involved in design of um, schools uh, oh wow! She was there and the construction of that. So she's had a lot. <laughs> yeah. So she's been afforded some pretty amazing opportunities, but mm -hmm. um, she's a very courageous young woman. Mm -hmm. you know, in the decisions she's making, and uh, I'm very proud of her. I'm, pr I'm proud of both of my girls. But. Oh, well, yes, the one with the event planning. I yeah. just wonder if you'll ever go to any of those <laughs> events because they sound amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh gosh, you do have a full life, and I know I remember talking to you during COVID about your your wife being a nurse and some of the things she was going through. It's it's amazing what we all go through, and then our, what our families when things happen to them, it happens to us too. You know, absolutely, yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's worked um, she's worked very closely um, because of the uh, because of the place she is in the hospital where she works. Worked very closely with COVID patients. And uh, so she was in the thick of the pandemic um, and really exposed to the people who, who needed the most acute kind of care, saw many people not survive the pandemic and, oh. and supporting the families of those who did pass away. No, it, it, she she really is for me um, a, a bit of an angel, you know, in, in terms of what the kind of work she does and the way she looks after people and, mm -hmm. and not just Per, uh, professionally, but certainly personally as well. So I'm very, very fortunate to have the family I have. So, Oh, that's really wonderful. And I'll, it'll be interesting to see what she does during retirement now. <laughs> yes. Well, she has a few things in the works. Um, one of them is she's a, she's a very big lover of plants and in particular flowers. So oh. doing some work as a, with, not as, but with a florist would be something that would be of great interest to her. Oh, okay. Florist friends out there. 
<laughs> we'll send you that way. Oh gosh, your life is so full. It's so wonderful. And but for you, okay, so you became a teacher first. Is that I did? did. You go? So I worked did as you... an elementary teacher, uh-huh. kindergarten to grade. Uh, actually, it was up to grade seven. Um, I started my career as a in, in primary years, um, and then I worked at the junior in our. In, in in Ontario, so junior is grade six, pardon me, grades four to six. And then we have the intermediate division seven and eight, and then high school after that. So I got mm. to work through most of the divisions. And after mm. 10 years, I was hired at the district level to be uh to serve as a consultant uh mm. supporting science and technology in our schools. Uh, oh, in our elementary fun. <laughs> so I traveled from one school to another and really working. Mm. I was afforded the opportunity to work in classrooms directly hands-on with with our teachers. And oh. that was incredible. I think I did that for about three years. And then the opportunity came up to work as a district coordinator. And um, my title was, when I was first hired, I was um, district coordinator for literacy, kindergarten to grade 12. Wow. Um, and that eventually expanded to include the arts um, as well, which was very exciting for me. I, I learned so much. But but literacy languages, and I was responsible for all the language programs in our schools as well, elementary and secondary. And uh, yeah, the, the beauty of that was, Barbara, that I, I was afforded opportunities to be able to work across all of our schools, both uh, elementary and secondary. And honestly, for as much as I have been able, I may have been able to give to others, what I received was incredible in terms of my learning. My learning curve was huge, especially when mm-hmm. I first started. But just to work with some truly phenomenal people that were doing amazing things in classrooms. And uh, it kind of inspired me, to be honest. So when I got to the nearing the end of my time, my career, um, I thought, what an amazing thing to be able to go back now, having that <laughs> kind of experience into a classroom at the age of 50 and and work with young people again. And we're talking young people because I, I went back into grade one, uh, <laughs> taught grade one, had never taught it before. And oh. then went into huh. kindergarten having never taught it before. And one of my drivers, the reasons behind why I did what I did was because um, in my portfolio as a coordinator, the kindergarten program was part of my portfolio, but I hadn't taught it. <laughs> so I thought, what a great chance I have, great opportunity I have to be able to experience it firsthand wow. before I finish in our schools. That's so cool. <laughs> but I was, um, I got to tell you, Barbara, you might be able to appreciate this. As I was getting older, just getting up and down off the carpet, because I spent a lot of time on the floor in the kindergarten <laughs> classroom, was a bit of a challenge, but uh, <laughs> but a good one. And I was, and what a great, great experience to be working mm-hmm. And it, it's hard to it's hard to describe this unless you've experienced it. But to be on the floor with children at their level, mm-hmm. and to be able to talk with them, play along with them, mm. to be able to learn from them and to share with them was an absolutely phenomenal experience for me. It oh really God! I I just wish you know I I know because I. I'm way past retirement, but I did go visit schools for several years, including 
those out of the country and in the country, all around the country. And everyone thought, what is with her? We're just taking her around. And I got on the floor <laughs> with the kids. <laughs> you understand so this. I do. I I want to hear what's really going on, and I want the kids to tell us. And I I got some really good stories from them, and they were. The thing is, they're so honest. They are. <laughs> they are. They tell it like it is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Especially kindergarten. Yes. Just, yeah, but the other some of the teachers that I met, I just I was so in awe. I couldn't believe they were doing what they were doing. And then when the pandemic hit, they were so brave. And I I just want to be there. And I'm you're, you're like me. I, I just want to support them any way I can. And and one is just to let them know they're not alone out there and that we're here for you. That's what I'm trying to do. And Barbara, the great thing in all that you're saying right now is this is what led me to want to focus in part. That's why I have the grateful EDU uh, 64 uh, tag mm-hmm. is because I really feel like we, we can, I'm not saying we all do, but we certainly can take so much for granted. You know, we, mm-hmm. you and I both have been afforded some incredible opportunities throughout our lifetime um, in, in, in supporting and serving others, but in what they've given to us, what they've given to me. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, I just feel that it, it's so vitally important to remind myself and other people about the importance of gratitude. And, and it doesn't have to be big, big things, like so many things that we can often take for granted that are simple things, mm-hmm. but they do make a difference. They make a difference in our own lives and the lives of others. And so to be grateful, especially at this point in my life, as I have more time to reflect and think about it is really important in the bigger, in the bigger picture that has to be part of who we are, I I think as people. Mm -hmm. So, well, we need more kindness. We need more hand in hand with gratitude is kindness for sure. Kindness and compassion for people who are going through tough times and, and listening um, because that's what I, when I started this, my long ago, I didn't listen close enough. And I realized I had to stop and listen to what the stories really are if I wanted to be have a good podcast. But it also helped me really find out that I'm connected to a lot of the people I'm talking to. There were so many things they said that made me richer. Just like you were saying, made me stronger and made me realize if they can go through that, I can go through this. There were so many things I needed to hear. And I I didn't want, um, I didn't want to show up, you know, show that I'm only bringing on, you know, these awesome, inspirational, motivational people. It's people that are willing to share challenges that they got through and that they're just human. We're all just human trying to be there for each other. We need we need more young people, I think, to hear the message you're just sharing, Barbara, is something that, you know, sometimes in reflection, and I hear other people talk about this, if I'd only understood this better when I was younger. So the wisdom <laughs> you and I gain and others gain over the years of experience puts us in a place now where we think, yeah, the listening piece is so critically important. And when we're younger, I'm not saying young people don't listen, but we don't recognize as well the importance of that. 
I think sometimes until we we get to the stages where we've we've worked through so much in our life and we really come to appreciate and understand why that is so important, right? Why we need to listen. Well, I mean, I've lost a few friends and I've lost, I know that, and you've lost a brother, which is sad. I mean, at such a young age, our time is limited here. Why should we waste it? being hateful or angry or mad or sad. I mean, I know that we have that now because of um, what we went through and there are some things that have happened to people. But if we can just look and say, that person's having a tough day, I hope they get through it. And instead of saying, oh, that person really gets me mad. You know, like what we have to do is change our own attitude and have this attitude of gratitude. You've heard that before. Um, for everything. And Chris, when you put out the, you know, the Wednesday wellness and you put, you did one today. And when you do that, all of those, um, and there's other people that are doing this too that, have brought me that really opened up the world to me in different ways. Cause we're just, it's not that we're, we have all this wisdom. We have experiences that have helped us and shaped us. That's all. To be, to be the kind of people that are more compassionate, to be the kind of people that can be more empathetic uh, and understanding. Cause we have some significant problems in our world and people face daily challenges that are some of which are huge Mm -hmm. um and so i I agree with you i I think that's we need to continue to work at at share kindness as often as we can you know be grateful for what we have that doesn't mean we sit on the sidelines and and you know and and take in things that are wrong or you know but but it, it really means that we have to make that effort you talked about it being an attitude and that's not always easy, right? And we're not perfect yeah. people. But I think yeah. I, I think one of the things I, I try to keep in the back of my mind is if I can send out a message or share a thought that might positively impact one person on any given day, that's enough. I mean, that, yeah. that, that, that matters. That's important, right? So I think um, that's part of the reason we do what we do and we continue to do what we do. Um, because we want to help to make a difference in the lives of others and to be supportive because we were gifted that I've been gifted that throughout my lifetime. Right. So it's, it's Mm -hmm. important to give back. Oh my gosh. I feel so much love right now. I love this. I knew that if I was going to, you were going to have this talk that we would get into this. And I do love you, my dear friend. You know that. I, do. I know. We both do care about each other, Chris. You're, I, I mean, I'm just going to bring up one thing. Sure. I'm watching you run. Oh, yes. I never did that. Yeah. You just took on the world. You were something. So it, it's kind of interesting how that's evolved too, Barbara, because... Oh. I um I probably picked up running again like when I was younger I used to run not a lot but I'd run and not necessarily long distance but I was probably more than halfway through my teaching career when I started to get back into running um longer distances but I ran for probably 15 years by myself on my own mm-hmm. and I would get up at quarter to 5 in the morning before school started on any given day and I'd work out for a while and then I'd go for a run but I discovered, and this was when I retired, 
I discovered a running community. I knew of it, but I, I really discovered it in terms of spending time with some of these people close to mm. this running community is relatively close to my house. And so I, um, I just went over and introduced myself and met some people and they invited me to join in. And, um, there's been no looking back. I I've, uh, <laughs> I've continued to up my, my involvement, but also, um, the distance. So I'm, I'm kind of a half marathon runner now I've done a marathon, but I won't do any more marathon running requires an incredible amount of yes. dedication yes. time. And I, even though I've got more of that now as, as a retired person, I, I still feel good about the half marathon distance. Anyway, this past weekend I was running in a 30 kilometer race and oh. did relatively well. I was pleased with that, but I've been afforded the opportunity through the person who owns the, um, the company that, that leads all of this, um, to serve in a leadership role. So I lead our half marathon group. There's about 70, wow. 75 people in our group. And, um, yeah, so I can use some of my experience and I tap into that and, to help with um, leading that group. And we have a whole variety of ages of people. It's wonderful. We got some very, our youngest member is 16 years old and our oldest mm. is probably me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's just great. And the, the friendships that we're developing as a result yeah. of the building this community are absolutely tremendous. And we have common goals, right? Which is kind of neat yeah. too, right? So um. This is Very so cool. Exciting. Well, you're going to get a picture of you running and the group <laughs> to put on the post that goes with this because sure. it's so amazing. So I want to just share your idea, your planning, sure. this new podcast. Do you want to share that? Uh-huh. So um, as a result of my experience with kin the Kinder Lights podcast, and, and really I started that because I had teachers and educators working in the early years saying, we feel like we're a bit of an underserviced group in terms of what's available in resources and supports out there for us. So that's kind of, that kind of gave life to the podcast for me. And I was afforded opportunity to, you know, interact with and talk with um, early educators, early years educators from all over the world. Mm -hmm. But what's evolved from that is, um, and, and, and my, with my focus on servant leadership, I really wanted to take what I'd learned from that experience of that first podcast and have it evolve into something that might be a little bit more global in terms of its focus. And so I, I approached my friend, Melissa Hayes, and <laughs> I asked her if I, I, I shared an idea and I'll share that right now, but I shared this idea with her and I said, I would love to be able to co-host the podcast with you. And so mm. I, I laid this out. I said, said to her, what if we put a focus on leadership, servant leadership, and and you'll see some stuff come out about this leading up to the podcast itself. But um, I really wanted it to be about leadership, leading from the heart. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea of servant leadership and leading from the heart. And um, I really wanted to be able to focus on looking at leadership from the perspective of different roles. So for example, not just an administrator, they're important people, but administrator in a school or at a district level, but also within the school community, our custodians, our um, administrative assistants, our classroom teachers, our students as leaders, our mm -hmm. parents within their families as leaders, 
um, and in the larger community as well, people that work in the gov- in government. So I, I, we really wanted, and Melissa and I have been talking about this, we really want us to evolve to be very inclusive in terms of leadership and to help people see themselves as leaders, no matter what role they serve in. Um, so that's the direction we're heading in. And um, we hope it will be exciting for people. We hope we get a, we're able to develop a listening base that people start to listen and they say, hey, that's me. I, I do that kind of work. And I can see myself as a leader, having heard somebody in that role speaking about leadership from that perspective. So I can't wait. This is going to be so beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you. We're, we're very excited about it. And, and yeah. I have to tell you, I'm thrilled. Um, to have to be afforded the opportunity to work with Melissa. She's a phenomenal educator. I know. And she is a person, and I shared this with you earlier, Barbara, she's a person that one of the reasons I felt it was important to have a co-host is I need to remain as grounded as possible in the reality of what it's like in our schools, in our classrooms, in our districts. And so mm-hmm. to work with a person like Melissa, who works with many people, students and educators, who have a variety of different experiences. <laughs> that's part of the reason I think it makes sense for the two of us. Plus we're friends, which is a good thing too, but yeah, to be able to come together friend. and work together. So, Well, Melissa was just recently on my podcast. I know. So we'll put a link to it. And I, I mean, she's, she's adorable. Yes. <laughs> I love her. And uh, this is going to be so wonderful. I, oh my gosh, I don't want to end. This is so great. Is there anything you want to just share with just one last thing you'd like to share with my uh, audience? I think um, what I'd like to leave the audience with is that it's, it's really important that we continue. And and this is part of what I hope I'm doing and supporting other people to remain and to be faithful to our authentic selves. In other words, to be honest, to be open, to be willing to take risks and to be able to face new challenges with the supports we have around us. Mm. And I think that's what I'm trying to do in in my uh, retirement in this sort of next stage of life for me is to, you know, to remain as courageous as possible with the supports we have, to be authentic to who we are, to, as you often remind us, Barbara, to know what it is that is our why and to be faithful to it. And in doing those kind of things, I think that's the best way we can serve and support others and to help raise them up. Wow. I got to be, listen to this and use it as a quote. That is so good. <laughs> you are amazing, Chris. This has been wonderful. Is there a way, because if people just listen to the podcast, how can they reach you? So probably the simplest way is to be able to reach out to me through Twitter because I, I'm on there almost daily still. And um, mm-hmm. that's at Chris Quinn 64 or uh, my other Twitter handle is at grateful edu 64. Um, I know you put the link to the website, Barbara, in the, mm-hmm. in the show notes. So that's, that'll be helpful. And, um, and then if you reach out to me in either of those ways and you, we need further contact, I can set that up as well. Yes, and please check out all the things that Chris is doing. He's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris. This was just wonderful. Barbara, it's been an honor. I, you're a dear, dear friend, and I so appreciate the opportunity to finally be able to get together yeah. like this and to have this conversation. So thank you very, very much. You are so welcome. And have a wonderful rest of your day. You as well. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning Podcast. 
and my conversation with Chris Quinn. I've known Chris for a really long time on Twitter, and I've enjoyed following his journey. He shows us how to retire with grace. And then he comes back again and again. In fact, he's always giving back. Make sure you check out the blog post that goes with this podcast on barbabray.net so you can access the resources and links Chris mentioned. It would be awesome if you subscribe to my podcast. I'd be really grateful if you wrote a review. You're welcome to subscribe to my website at barbabray.net to receive updates, resources, stories, more podcasts, and even learn about my book, Define Your Why. Thanks again for listening. Keep sharing your story. And please stay safe and be well.